1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 7 to 36, and that can be found on page 371 of your church Bibles. That's 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. On that day, David decreed for the first time that thanks be given to the Lord by Asaph and his relatives. Give thanks to Yahweh, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wonderful works. Honour his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You offspring of Israel, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. Remember his covenant forever the promise he ordained for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, swore to Isaac and confirmed to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. When they were few in number, very few indeed, and temporary residents in Canaan, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf, do not touch my anointed ones or harm my prophets. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonderful works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord is king. Let the sea and everything in it resound. Let the fields and all that is in them exult. Then the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And say, save us, God of our salvation. Gather us and rescue us from the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. May Yahweh, the God of Israel, be praised from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. Second reading uh, appears on page 1113 of the Church Bibles. It's from the first letter of Peter, the first chapter, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely 
on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And if you address as Father, the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the times for you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much. It would be great if you can uh, keep that part of God's word open. My name's Dan. I'm not usually uh, here in the mornings. I'm a bit nocturnal, usually in the evening services. Uh, Paul's on paternity leave, so it's my privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, would you pray with me as we come to God's word? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, so as uh, Ed said before, we're going to have a, a time of open thanksgiving in a moment, a chance for us to be thankful for what, whatever we're thankful for from this year. Um, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to take a bit longer than you guys. Please don't use me as an example of how long to speak for. Um, the thing I'm really thankful for this year is actually uh, God and his goodness. Um, that might sound like, yeah, you're a minister, you have to say that. Uh, I really am. Uh, in this crazy year, I've been really thankful to God and just his character of goodness, uh, what's really grabbed me about that as we've moved through 1 Peter has been chapter 1, verse 20. Would you look at just verse 20 with me? Chapter 1, verse 20. He was chosen before the foundation of the world. I'm very thankful for that. Um, who was chosen? The Lord Jesus. What does it mean that he was chosen? Well, I assume it means he was chosen for verse 18 and 19. It says that he was, uh, we've been redeemed by him from our empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen to be our lamb who would redeem us by his blood before the foundation of the earth. God's... Uh, gift of his son for us was not a plan B. I often hear the Bible story told that kind of way. Uh, God made a beautiful world, Adam and Eve, it was perfect. Uh, but then they sinned um, and God gave us his law, which was fantastic, but we couldn't keep it. And so God was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I guess I'll have to send my son Jesus to die for these people. As if God's unwilling, as if we've kind of put him in a corner and forced him to give us his son. Not at all. 1 Peter 1.20, God chose him for this before the creation of the world. This is who Jesus was to be. So let me read another verse for you, Revelation 13, verse 8. 
All those who live on the earth will worship the beast. Everyone whose name is not written in the book of life, listen to this bit, of the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. That is who Jesus is. He is, always has been, from before the foundation of the earth, the lamb who was slain for us, that we would be set free and redeemed from sin. Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus has, has, was never God's patch-up job. He was never plan B. I want to push this a little further, um, because it's, it's not that before the foundation of the world, God the Father went, got a plan for you, son. Um, you're going to be the lamb who's going to be slain, and I'm going to chill out up here at a distance. That's another bad version of the Bible I've heard. You know, God is kind of the distant judge, bad cop, and Jesus is the loving, friendly, huggable, good cop. Um, not at all. We worship one God, Father and Son, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. So that the Bible says in Colossians, Jesus is the image of, of the invisible God. The Father's invisible. How do we know what he's like? We look at his image, the Son. What we see in Jesus is exactly the Father. So that when uh, uh, Philip says, I think Philip or Thomas, says to Jesus, uh, show us the Father, that will be enough for us. What does Jesus say? Don't you know me, Philip? After I've been amongst you for so long, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So let me put this all together. Before the creation of the world, God was the one who would give himself for us. Before anything else, he determined that he would be the God who would bleed for us, who would be humiliated for you and me, who would hang on a cross and have his creatures mock him. Get down off that cross. If you think you can save people, save yourself. He hung there for us. That is our God. The events of the passion were always, through all of eternity, within the character of our God. It's not foreign to him. It's not a patch-up job. This is our God. This is what he's like. And so Peter says, verse 21, your faith and hope are in God. Not, Not in Jesus as opposed to God, the judge, Our faith and hope are in this God. I wonder, do you believe in that God? Again, verse 21, through Jesus, we have come to believe in this God. Do you believe in him? I do. I I rejoice that this is our God. He is so good. It's so good that this is our God. I'm so very thankful that this is our God. This is his character. At least I should say, I should probably say, I try to believe this. I try to believe. Or sometimes I forget. I think you might be the same, that often we believe other things about God. We get wrong ideas about God. Um, Things that don't come from looking at Jesus, but come from, I don't know, culture, families, whatever it is. Wrong ideas that don't lead us to joy and thanksgiving, uh, but to slavery. Things like this. Let me, let me throw a few things out there. Here's one of them. We think that before God, we are kind of a nuisance, a bit disappointing sometimes. I often meet with people and I ask them, um, I ask them, what do you think God thinks of you? 
when God thinks of you, what's the expression on his face? And people often say to me, very often actually, uh, I suppose love, but also disappointment, you know? Because he's holy and I keep on sinning, I keep stuffing up, he's so good to me, I keep making mistakes. You know, it's like we're, we're the child who keeps spilling the cup and he has to keep cleaning it up. Can you just, can you just sort yourself out? But that's not right, is it? Because before the foundation of the world, he chose to be the God who was ready to clean up our mess. And we didn't push him into that. It wasn't, we kind of, because of our sin, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to rescue you. I'm going to have to send my son. Not at all. God is the one who loves in freedom. No one pushes him into that corner. He is free. He chose to be the one who would bleed to redeem us. That's our God. How good is that? We can be thankful that that is our God. Here's another thing. I think we often think that our God is demanding. You know, uh, we kind of have to do all this stuff to make him happy, keep his rules, do his thing, and then he might pour down his blessing, maybe. This is how our world lives as well. They've got the gods of money and power and career, and they serve these gods. They serve them, hoping that these gods might bless them with, you know, joy and peace and some sort of happiness. That's not the way it works, is it, friends? It's not us first, then God. From before the creation of the world, he determined he would be the one who would pour himself out for us. He would be the great giver. And then we'd respond. That's what our God's like. He's not demanding. He's given himself. You can be so thankful for that. I think we often think, as well as the third thing, he's not actually that interested in our thriving. Look around at my life. It's a bit ordinary. It's not that great. In fact, it can be pretty rough sometimes. God's obviously not not that interested in me thriving and having life to the full. No, no, that's not right, is it? Because from before the foundation of the world, God chose for himself death, that he would suffer so that we would have life. He is so keen on you, brothers and sisters, having life to the full actually being in relationship with him. He is from the beginning of creation, before the beginning of creation, that's his commitment. That's who he is. That's what he wants for you. How good is our God that he's committed to that? You'd be so thankful. And here's a fourth thing. The future seems a bit uncertain, doesn't it? Who's in charge of this world? I don't, I don't know about you guys, I'm not that old, but you know, I, in my experience, this last year has been the craziest year in our world. It seems like every other week there is something nuts happening. Who's in control of this thing? Where's it headed? Uh, you might be familiar with Revelation chapter 5, um, where God is on his throne. We've got this picture of the, the throne room in heaven. God's on his throne and he's got a scroll, which is kind of like what's happening for the rest of history. But no one can open it. No one can open the scroll. No one determines who knows the future, who's in control of the future. And John starts weeping. And an angel says, don't weep, John, because there's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He can open the scroll. 
This is Jesus. And so John turns to see the lion, and what does he see? A lamb. Jesus, the lamb who was slain and is alive, who can open the scroll, who determines the future for our world. How's it going to go? How's the future going to go? Well, the future is controlled by a guy who has given himself for our world so that our world might live. I mean, I don't know exactly how it's going, but it's going to be good, right? That's the future. And so the people in heaven around the Lamb respond by saying these words from Revelation chapter 5. These are the four living creatures. They say to the Lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you redeemed people for God by your blood. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them said this. Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever. I am so thankful, friends, this year, that before the creation of the world, in eternity past, he was the God who would be the lamb slain for me, for you, for our world. And that for eternity into the future, he will be the lamb who was slain, but now who reigns in all glory. So thankful for that. I'm going to pray to thank him for that. And straight after that, I'm going to invite you to come to the front here and thank God for his goodness in all sorts of ways. He is eternally good, and he's good to us in lots of little ways too. So please come out to the front after I've prayed. Make a cue. Don't just wait for everyone else. Just come up, make a cue. Let's thank our God together. But let me start. Let me, let me say thanks to God in prayer. God, we just want to thank you that you are who you are. If that were not so, we would have no reason for joy or hope or peace or anything good. But you are who you are. You are the gracious God who longs for us to live. We thank you so much that you're not demanding. We thank you so much that you have given us your son to die for us. And we we worship him, we praise him, we thank you for him. And we long to praise him evermore. Amen.